Hi, this is Ann Cavera with another episode of Speeding Past 80. This week's episode is called Light in Dark Times. After the fall of the Roman Empire in 476 AD, life became really, really tough in Western Europe. People struggled with wars, poverty, disease, famine. Oh, wait a minute. That sounds kind of familiar. Sort of like today. Well, people back then knew life was desperately tough, but nobody went around saying, you know, this is just the way life is. Probably won't ever get any better. Might even get worse. We're going to call these days the Dark Ages. Actually, that term wasn't used until after 1300. Nobody who lived in the early Middle Ages knew they were in the middle of the Dark Ages. People are good at adjusting to whatever life hands them. We're the ones who looked back and called those years the Dark Ages. They just thought what they had was normal. Not one of those poor souls struggling day to day knew a different kind of life could happen. They had no idea this thing we call the Renaissance was waiting just over the horizon. Not a single soul knew their terrible hard times would end in a glorious explosion of art, music, and exploration, unlike anything the world had ever known. It was like the lights had come back on. So here's my question. Are we living in a new dark age? Are we living in an age that parallels the early Middle Ages? Technology keeps us posted on wars, famines, violence, and generally tells us how bad things are. Yep, we know terrible things are happening. In my opinion, there's one important difference between those early medieval days and our current dark age. People of the early Middle Ages in Western Europe kept their spiritual core. That spiritual core of faith anchored a large number of the population in faith. I think we've come unglued at the center. Today, some think something may be beyond us, but the mentality seems to be, well, whatever it is, if we don't bother it, it won't bother us. By the way, how is this working out so far? Meanwhile, cynicism, depression, greed, hate gain ground with every passing day. Welcome to the new Dark Ages. The Dark Age of the Human Spirit. How can we stop the darkness from overwhelming us? In J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit, Gandalf the Wizard says, Saruman believes it is only great power that can hold evil back. That is not what I have found. I have found that it is the small, everyday deeds of ordinary folk that keep the darkness at bay small acts of kindness and love. A son of the early years of the Dark Ages, St. Benedict, found his own way to push back the darkness. His answer was to make small pockets of peace where work, study, and community could flourish. I think we're called to do the same. Our homes can become little pockets of peace where children and parents safely grow in faith, hope, and love. Our schools and churches can become havens against the darkness. Each one of us must light a candle and let it shine. The little bit each of us contribute helps faith, love, and kindness glow in the dark, 
just as the Renaissance in art, music, and literature exploded after the ancient Dark Ages, I truly believe a new Renaissance, one of the human spirit, is waiting for us just down the road. Though we can't see it yet, that new Renaissance of faith, hope, and love will rise in the human heart. No matter how hopeless the world looks now, those of us who carry small candles must stay anchored in faith and let our light shine. All we have to do is help each other hang on. Dawn is coming. A new day is just over the horizon. I have a special love and appreciation for middle grade children. Kids between the ages of 8 and 12 make important decisions about who they are and what they believe. How do we communicate what is important about faith, hope, and love to children during those middle grade years? One way is to put a book with characters wrapped up in great adventures into the hands of these children. I've been looking for books with characters who live through great adventures and overcome huge obstacles, books that deal with things like violence, forgiveness, love, self-sacrifice, that will point the way through darkness to love, peace, and joy. During these weeks before Christmas, I'm recommending books with heart and soul for children eight and older. This week, I strongly recommend Antony Barone Collins' series, The Harwood Mysteries, and he's my guest today. Antony Barone Collins is a retired lieutenant colonel from the U.S. Air Force Judge Advocate General's Corps. He's a law professor who teaches courses on constitutional and military law and has been published in numerous journals and magazines. He's also host of The Shepherd's Pie, a radio show and podcast. He speaks at legal, writing, and home education events. He and his wife, Alyssa, have raised five children and are the proud parents of three beautiful grandchildren. I know your stories are written for middle grade children, but really, I enjoy them. I think they are, first of all, great adventure stories, and people of any age can enjoy a great adventure story. Uh, There are four books so far, Shadow in the Dark, The Haunted Cathedral, The Fire of Eden, and The Merchant's Curse. I began reading the series this past year. I'm not a middle grade child, but I am hooked. Um, The stories are full of adventure, mystery, characters that face desperate external and internal struggles. And I believe you've done what Madeline Lingle said. If a topic is too difficult for adults, then you write for children. Absolutely. And, and A, I appreciate you saying that because although it is for ages 10 and up, the reality is really teenagers, uh, high school, middle school were my prime audience, even college. And I definitely wrote it to appeal, uh, as you know, it's, it's in my mind, I was trying to write something that was very richly layered that you could enjoy at any age. I enjoy listening to my books, especially on audiobook, because I have a great British guy who reads them. But um, because they do, they work at a lot of different levels. And yeah, they can work for the younger kids. But but the reality is the messages should resonate at any age. I had the feeling, you know, you talk about the British guy uh, reading the audio. Um, the setting is like another character in the novel. You really know the setting or you did a lot of research. I had the feeling that maybe you were interested in that time period before you wrote the books. 
You know, I, I mean, I, I like the Middle Ages. I think it's cool. But um, one of the reasons I chose it is, you know, as a homeschooling family ourselves and, and wanting to get great stories out there that kids would want to read, but would also have great messages. I, I partly said it uh, there because a few things. Number one, it's at a it's it's mostly at an abbey in 12th century England pre-Protestant Reformation, so it was pretty much all Catholic at that point. Um, it's at an abbey, so it, the, any religious themes are very organic. Living the faith was very organic to everybody's life, you know, in that setting. And there are a lot of really cool historical events going on in 12th century England. I'm just two or three years before the Third Crusade with the fall of Jerusalem. Uh, King Henry II, the, uh, the founder of the Plantagenet, dynasty of, of kings is at the very end of his reign. Richard the Lionheart is going to be the next king any year now. Uh, you know, Thomas Beckett was martyred just a few years earlier. There's a lot of really interesting things going on in history. And, and the series was meant to be able to teach, um, you know, about not just history, but about, you know, Middle Ages, feudalism, the importance of monastic, monasticism in the Western world. But to do it in the context of kind of like really spooky stories and who doesn't like a good medieval adventure, it almost feels like you're reading a Harry Potter book or a, a fantasy series because the world is so different in the Middle Ages and you've got all of these iconic kind of knights and kings and, you know, people who are, are they wizards and witches or, you know, at least they're, they're acting like that. Um, so it would appeal to kids and teenagers who really like those kinds of stories. Um, so that that was why I also chose the setting and, and emphasize it so much in the stories. I like that too. And I read books of all kind. I read fantasy. I read the magic books. I read them. I read anything. But uh, the thing that has troubled me about middle grade literature is that if you have powers, you don't really need to rely on yourself. We are already very powerful creatures. And I like it that Zan faces these problems and finds the courage and power within him to solve them. And I think that's so that's so important. We need to teach our kids, no, you don't really need to fly or to, you know, do whatever to solve your problems. You are powerful enough already. I love how you're saying that. Yeah, that's a really that is a powerful message. Um, and you're right. I mean, uh, the, the idea that we have so much in the supernatural that is emphasized in all of our middle grade books today. Um, and I sort of took advantage of that because the books read like they're supernatural. But the reality is the only supernatural in these books is, is the presence of God. And um, but, you know, but it still reads that way to kids. So that's why I think grandparents really like the series also is because they realize, yeah, you know what, this this appeals to young people because it has that same feeling to it. But in reality, it's, you know, real people facing the real world and real problems. And yes, they have to rely on God and their own faith and their friends to, to overcome those problems. You know, um, I would encourage anyone to start with book one of the series, but I also want to focus on book four, um, The Merchant's Curse. I started with the first book, and I started with the idea of, this sounds interesting, let me see what this guy does. And then I got 
a little hooked. And I read the second and third ones. And then I thought, can he keep this up? And I read The Merchant's Curse. And you know, you were just having fun with that one. (laughs) It's my favorite. It's my favorite of the four. I kind of feel like it's really running on all cylinders in book four. Uh, It it brings in the best of the other three. And and it also brings in, uh, as you I'm sure noticed, the the main um, theme of the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament, the vanity of vanities. And it's really a book about all the vanities of this world and how you know, it doesn't matter how pretty you are or how powerful your friends are, or how rich you are. At the end of the day, none of that, even wisdom, as King Solomon you know, would say, even wisdom is not going to save us in the end. And, and Zan and, and the various characters, the bad guys, the good guys, they're all sort of dealing with these different vanities. And I, I, I thought I, I really wanted to emphasize some of the rich wisdom of the book of Ecclesiastes through this plot, while also bringing in all these really cool um, dangers and characters from other books that um, in the series that are now reappearing in this one. So yeah, you're right. I had a lot of fun with this. It's, it is my favorite of the four at this point. Well, I really enjoyed it. And uh, I'm really anxious to see what you do next. Is there another book? Book five is already in Loyola's hands and being edited. And I'm about to sign a a contract for book six. Uh, I don't know if it'll go past there, but I I could I have about nine of these in my head. Uh, But I think at least five and six will be coming out in the next few years. And it's going to be continuing, you know, the same type of, uh, you know, vibe as you get here with a different kind of um, virtue or, uh, you know, theme in each each book will uh, book five is really about envy and uh, focuses on that as the, the kind of the religious theme or, or vice virtue situation. Well, you know, I know that Loyola publishes them, but what is Loyola doing to support the series? Are they doing other things? Are there other things offered? Yeah, Loyola is a pretty big Catholic publisher. This is a kind of a unique series for them. They don't publish really anything else like this, but they do publish curricula for both uh, religious education and Catholic schools. So there is kind of a connection there when they're marketing those curricula. They're they're letting school teachers know. And hey, grandparents, parents, if you if you have school teachers in your uh, families, let them know uh, not, not only these great books to go with the social studies or language arts curriculum, but I'm also glad to come and talk to their classes about either the Middle Ages or writing and that kind of thing. So I like doing classroom visits Loyola is definitely big on curricula and that kind of thing. And um, yeah, and they just they want to produce really good books that uh, will appeal to young people also. So they they put their marketing dollars behind it also. Where else can people find your books? Yeah, so um, of course you can find them on Amazon, Barnes and Noble or whatever. I recommend always going to your local Catholic bookstore or independent bookstore giving business to your mom and pop bookstore and asking them to stock it or order it for you. But if you want it really quick, Amazon's probably uh, most people's choice. Um, And definitely check out my website, uh, antonycolank.com, because you'll not only find uh, more information about my podcast and everything, but you also will find um, that there are some free stories I've written related to the series, uh, highlighting Lucy, the main girl character. I now have uh, two short stories that are available 
on Amazon, but I'm giving one of them away for free on my website uh, right now for people who go and check it out. One final question. What was your favorite book when you were growing up? I really enjoyed the Lord of the Rings series as a teenager, especially. Uh, that was uh, probably my favorite. Uh, I like King Arthur. So like the Once and Future King was a was a good one also. And that kind of you could see some of that in uh, in the medieval piece of it. I'd like to close with my favorite quote from The Merchant's Curse. If things in life were vanity, then perhaps Father Philip had gotten it right. What mattered in this world was not that each person would die, but rather how each person would live. That's great. I appreciate that. Yeah, to me, that is the message of the book of Ecclesiastes, which is, I think, largely under, misunderstood that book because it focuses on kind of all, a lot of negative things in this life. But I think that's what Solomon or not, he didn't write the book, but let's pretend he did. Now, I think that's what Solomon was trying to tell us is nothing that, you know, um, you do is going to stop you from dying. So what matters is how you live. Well, I really, really thank you for your time today. And I hope people will go out and discover this book if they haven't already. I hope they will discover all of the Harwood Mystery books and we'll keep reading. Thank you so much. Thank you, Anne, so much for having me. Thanks so much for joining me. Please join me again next week for another episode of Speeding Past 80. 